Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now the finale of Hawkeye. I'm Finale. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. (laughs) And we are going to be talking about, so this is Christmas? So, the sixth and yes, final episode of season Shakespearean one. punctuation, Alex. Who knows? We don't know yet. Hopefully there'll be a season two. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, but this wraps up the final season. If uh, The first season, excuse me. If you haven't checked it out, go watch it on Disney Plus because yeah. we're pretty much going to jump right into spoilers. But big battle royale at Rockefeller Center. But before we even get to that, I think it's important to talk about our rankings of all the MCU TV series so what? far. <laughs> Let's wow. do it. This no, is I what I call it. talk about ambush. the rankings of them. But uh, ambush. this is the end of year one of MCU TV. This is why we started doing this podcast, Marvel Vision right here, recapping the MCU. So looking back on it, at least with Hawkeye, where does it kind of fall for you? You gotta give us some kind of heads up before you drop a fucking nope. bomb on li- nope. like We that, can like. do this, Pete, we can do this. Because think of all the shows we have here. WandaVision. Right. Mm-hmm. Loki. Yep. Right. Captain America. Right. Uh, and of course, uh, Hawkeye. Oh, and, and then we have. What if? And what if? Yeah. And S.H.I.E.L.D. And yeah. uh, Jessica Carter. Jones. Uh, Agent Cage. Carter. Yeah. yeah. The original Incredible Hulk show with <laughs> Bill Bixby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with David Banner because they thought Bruce was too controversial a name mm. to give. <laughs> Those to give Doctor Strange TV movies that nobody's seen. Uh, the There's original, Aqu- through, man. The original Aquaman cartoon. Yep. Wow. Uh, train Scooby going Doo. through tunnel. The first ever movie. Train, train going through tunnel. <laughs> very sexual. You bring that up a lot. Yeah. yeah I mean, good. it was very formative for several reasons. <laughs> oh, All right, but to, to, I'll th- I'll go first to give you guys time to think about it. Here's my take on Hawkeye. Is I think though it's not my favorite Marvel series that was out this year. Mm. I think it was the most consistent Marvel series, and I say that ah. because. There's been a lot of controversial finales for several of these series. Some I liked, I think, more than other people. But Hawkeye hit the ground running, was very funny, was very fun, was an action movie, Christmas time. That's what it wanted to be. And it nailed that over the course of six episodes. I think, like we talked about, there were some shaggy bits, some things that I didn't love quite as much as others. Shaggy bits? Shaggy bits. Scoob! Uh, I I don't know what you're That's talking you about. Shaggy bits. To what me I mean is like it meandered thing. for a bit, for a while. It came yeah. together, I think, nicely in the finale, and I think that's something that's always very important. I don't want to judge a series it fully like on the finale, but I do think they brought a lot of the threads together. They tied things up very nicely. Certainly, there's a possibility for a second season if they want to go in a bunch of directions that I'm sure we'll talk about at the end of the podcast. But ultimately. 
felt very good about it at the end of the day. So definitely in my top tier of the six series that we're talking about mm-hmm. here. But what about you, Justin? Just to give Pete some more time to deal with this huge bomb we dropped on. Yeah, yeah, yeah dangerous bomb. Oh, we should always have this at the top of our head. This is how well we should read it down when we go to sleep at night, like Arya's list in Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, of the Marvel series, I will rank them um, from uh, top to bottom. <laughs> Pete's still making a list physically on a piece of paper. Wait, wait, wait. Um, so Loki. Uh, all right, go ahead. Go, yeah. I'm going to go Hawkeye. Whoa. Number one? No. Hawkeye number one? You always, the most recent thing you watch is always the best. Every time. Doesn't matter. That's right. Okay. I love recent things. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll explain afterwards. Uh, let me start okay, again. Great. Hawkeye. Okay. Yeah, WandaVision, Loki, uh, what if Captain America Winter Soldier? I think that's fair. Just to rank them to give Pete another couple of seconds here, I'll put it WandaVision, mm. Loki, Hawkeye. Wow. What if Captain America the Winter Soldier? Okay. No so explanations. No explanations. Yeah, no explanations necessary. Well, let me say, uh, while Pete's still thinking, this is uh, a mantra on our podcast. I, I think uh, Hawkeye was the one that got, like you said, consistently better, I think, throughout. Mm-hmm. And I think the end explained some of our complaints from the beginning. We talked a lot about how Clint seemed so unhappy and like such a curmudgeon. And uh, from a writing standpoint, seeing the final product, it sort of helps see him open up by the end. Like I really like when he was wearing the uniform, he's like... Yeah, I'm I'm wearing it. Like and like you would have never like to have him go from where he was to where he is now. I appreciate that change and it sort of fixes my my misgivings from the beginning a little bit. I think to your point, again, we're probably gonna say to give Pete time to think for the next hour or so until he finally gets his list together. But uh to your point, I think I was won over by Clint by the end. I was certainly uh, very touched by him saying, listen, we're partners to Kate Bishop. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to team up with you. The thing with the Elated at the end, we could probably quibble a little bit about the whole whistle thing and whether that was silly or not. But I think the way they played it was a really nice moment and very emotional. Uh, It was very – I was talking to somebody at work about this. It was a very – Martha, why did you say that name? No, moment. No, yeah. it was <laughs> not. a little bit. That wasn't that a was a secret bit. thing? Nothing. That he let her know that he knows. If to you be look like, at it, Yo, if you I'm look at it with the subtitles, he it's it says whistling in parentheses, and then in other parentheses it says Martha. No, that's nothing whole, is as DC, bad as Martha. Bring no, the Martha's DC's terrible. The Martha's bullshit terrible. into the yeah. The Martha was really bad. That's have like, you finished your ranking yet, Pete? Yes, I have. Go I ahead. gave you a thumbs up for Christ's sakes. Oh, okay. I thought that was a thumbs up. Need more time. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, Hawkeye number one, Winter Soldier number two, Loki third, Wandavision fourth. What if fifth? Wow. Wait, what was your number two? Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and just to check, you were yelling at Justin for having recency bias, and then you also chose the most recent series as number one. Well, yeah. I mean, after I had a little time to think about it, I mean, I would... Loki had some really great moments, but also had some, like, mm, you know what I mean? Um, there was a lot of great, but the there was some twists and turns where some episodes I wasn't uh, losing my mind as others, but... 
for me, the the Winter Soldier I put above it just for the uh, you know realization, the kind of homage that we got to pay to a Black Captain America, and that was really powerful. The yeah. I was hoping the series would push that more. But just the fact that we kind of opened that door and we're starting to have the conversation makes me so happy and kind of put it or put it at number two. Uh, but overall, like uh, Loki was a lot of fun. I mean, the alligator, uh, you know, Loki was unbelievable. Plus, we got, uh, you know, Hemsworth playing the frog at Loki, which was great. So there was a lot of like really cool moments. Well, we didn't get that. They cut that out, right? <laughs> Uh, well, I gave it to a little bit. I mean, you got him jumping yeah, was the in thought the jar. We got the yeah. thought of it in our mind. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think maybe a way to for us to all agree is I think I, I wouldn't consider any of these to be failed. Like mm-hmm. they were yes. all successful, yeah. I think. And yeah. I think we just have different, um, slightly different tastes. Mm-hmm. Some of them good, some of them bad. Yeah, I hey. won't specify which one is which. Why don't we say, jump into this? I didn't this. say anything about you. <laughs> Let's jump into this last episode of Hawkeye, though, and start talking about it because lots of big stuff go down. goes down. Um, I, I don't even know exactly where we should start other than, like I was saying before, I think it was just really nice to see Clint stepping up emotionally, giving that tribute to Kate and allowing her to become the hero she knows she can be the entire time. I thought that was kind of wonderful and a great theme of the episode. I, yeah, I want to talk about, there was a lot of different twists and stuff that we got. I mean, the fact that the swordsman was the good guy was a very fun twist that I didn't know I wanted until like, you know, uh, he was kicking butt uh, towards the end there and on the right side of things. So that was uh Something that was like, this guy's a creepy piece of shit for most of the series. But then to kind of see him fight on Kate's side um, was pretty magical. It was very cool. Well, and if we're going to talk about that, that's such a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, both that he was ended up being a quote unquote good guy, but also that he was so much of the menace in the first half of the season. And then in the end, she's like, he just has to walk around a party with a sword on his suit. And then he just like mm-hmm. wings it out and dings a couple of tracksuit guys. And that's it. I, I was shocked. I thought for sure there was going to be the, a Clint Jack fight and we get nothing. But also, I, like, I, well, just to comment on that, I agree with you, but I think that part of that is our expectations of what we thought was going to happen. And I agree with Pete. True. I think it was a really good feint. Like all I'm saying is that's Ooh, our that's expectations, a, that's a and I don't think you can necessarily judge it on. Well, they didn't meet these theories that we had because I do think ultimately it's very pleasing to find out at the end that oh, all of these doofus things he was saying throughout the first half of the season were not hiding any menace. He's just a doofus. He's just a doofus. Yeah, and I don't know. It's very fun. The thing with Armand Seven, who oh, the true villain the of the P- series. The, oh, that, yeah, the true he villain of the pants. series. He peed yeah, his he pants. was the true villain at sure. the Hamptons. That's a fancy place to pee your pants. I know from experience. If you're going to pee your pants, go fancy. I mean, my big question, they didn't specify this in the series. What is it at a white party? In which case, you don't, it's not as noticeable. That's where you wear all white, Pete, not where everybody's white. Calm down. What did you just fucking do? A white party is an obnoxious, rich thing. And let me say, Alex, um, you think you're hiding all your pant peeing just because your (laughs) jeans are white? And you're not, my friend. It's just people don't want to tell you. I haven't had to wear these white pants this entire time. 
No. I, I mean, for two reasons. Either just go to the bathroom or <laughs> or you pee your pants. Waste we all, all know. my time walking to the bathroom? Come on. Miss out if on the conversation. Peeing your pants is cool. Consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> <laughs> the, wow. This is, talk about a season finale. Pete finding a spot to drop in a prime Adam Sandler. <laughs> topical. So topical. In any case, uh, yes, his thing with Armand was very funny. His exchange at the end when he's sitting there near the ambulance was very funny as well. And I think that does, despite what we thought, line up with the place that he's in, usually in the comic books, where, yeah, he started as a villain, I believe, but he's ultimately sort of this dorky C-list Avenger most of the time. So perhaps that's how they're going to use him going forward. I like the moment where he was just by himself kind of talking to himself. Uh, moment that really kind of revealed he doesn't have an evil plan or whatever. He's just kind of a doofus guy who's like, come on, man. This is what, this is it. It's you and your sword. Like I, I it was do a think fun though, moment. just to say something that I do think is a bigger issue with the show is that Eleanor wasn't a bigger threat. And, well, and let me ahead. say, let me just, because I don't think um, it wasn't about uh, Jack's uh, use by the end of this season. It was not matching up with what my expectations were. I feel like the story the show is telling, especially in the first episode with him, Armand, the, the older Armand, getting the sword. It was th- this was a character, unless this was a purposeful red herring, which I don't think this episode was like. We fooled you. It was much more like. Yeah, we didn't have time for this. We got. We ended up. It's like you go to a party with your high school friends, and then you start hanging out with college kingpins. You're like, well, so I don't have time for you, my friends. I came with. I'm dealing with kingpins now, oh, and I think serious. that's a choice that the show maybe made. We got your black widows. We got your kingpins in here. Fun, very good. A lot of the episode, but I think we lost touch with our the 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 horse that brung us, so to speak, with uh, with Jack and Eleanor, these characters that I was perfectly happy unraveling the mystery of. It's and would also, have just liked to see a little bit of acknowledgement of like, hey, the, these were the characters we were thinking about in the first three episodes and at least give us a little bit of punctuation on their arcs. It's also possible that might be a directing choice as well. I'm thinking specifically of the thing in the last episode where Jack was so stagey while he was being arrested and going, my love, it was not me. I will be right back. <laughs> he was right back. And he was right back. But my point being that the way Tony Dalton delivered that, and I wouldn't put it on that, put it on him. I'd put it on the director of the episode or directors. I think Bert and Bertie directed that one mm-hmm. uh, is that is clearly indicating that he is in on something, but in retrospect, it's just the dorkiest way he possibly could have said that. And to your point, Justin, I think things like that don't necessarily work, but if they had used different takes or modulated things in a different way, I think you could have played it a little more evenly potentially throughout. No, but well, I but, think that that's the point. Like w- even up until that point, we're like, Oh, this guy's definitely a bad. And the way his cadence did that, it was still fooling us. And I think that purposely trying to fool us and then to kind of reveal that, no, he's just kind of douchey. So it was, uh, I think, directorial-wise, uh, a conscious choice to still keep thinking that this is a possibility. But since Justin did mention Kingpin, I would like to kind of get it, talking here, about Just that. before hold we on, move on, on to Kingpin, hold on, I have one more thing. But, I mean, I will say Eleanor is Kate's mom. She is dispensed with and arrested with the line, 
do heroes arrest their moms on Christmas? Yeah. Then we don't see her anymore. And Kate just goes to Christmas with Clint. No emotional payoff. So mm-hmm. much of this show was about Kate and her mom trying to figure that out. That we spent a long scene where um, Jack and Eleanor were like making out a little bit. And then at the end of the season, we get Jack's just like, I have a sword now. I'll I'll stab anybody. And Eleanor is dispatched with off screen without the emotional ramifications for even our main character, Kate, coming out of that. That well, feels strange. So I agree with you on that. And I think this transitions potentially nicely into what Pete wants to say. I think it's because a lot of that guilt, a lot of the villainy was shoved onto Kingpin right at the end here by making that connection, which, mind you, makes logical sense when you think about it. But at the same time, this buildup of what's going on with Eleanor, what's happening with Eleanor, it blunts that turn that we got because maybe it comes down to Vera Farmiga's delivery on this stuff, but she's very emotionless about almost everything. And that's probably supposed to be in stark contrast to what's going on with Kate, who leads with emotion always on everything. But at the same time, to your point, Justin, it just doesn't work. She's not villainous enough. There's not enough going on with her. She did a couple of bad things, but we just don't get a sense of how bad they were over how long of a time. Uh, well, and that's why I wanted to arc. That's why I wanted one more scene. Wait your turn. No, no, no. I've been waiting patiently. Are you, you going to talk about Kingpin? Eleanor? Because <laughs> no, we're yeah, still talking. Talk about, yeah, I know. I know. Okay. I'm just saying with, when it comes to Eleanor, like first off, that was a classic mom line. Like, is this what heroes do? Like just cutting to your core, that classic, like mean mom, villain. Yeah. Mom. Like that was a, a solid mom burn right there. Um, but it was, I don't understand what her plan was. You're going to piss off Kingpin and then go to a party and act like things are cool. Like, I don't understand what her plan was or what her play was. It it seemed like she was like, I draw the line at my daughter, but why aren't you doing anything about that? Like get your daughter and get the fuck out of the city then or whatever. But this was this thing of like Kate realizing her mom is not like a good person or had to make a lot of different choices, you know, because apparently her husband left her in debt. So she went to the kingpin, which I guess is something you could do. But it's one of those things where, yeah, Ma, you got to get arrested. I'm sorry. And it was emotionally on her face, really hard for her to sit there and let that happen. I thought it was a very powerful moment and a messed up moment of like, yeah, heroes, are going to do what they think is right, even if that means arresting their mom on Christmas, which is a fucked up thing. Uh, but Kate's kind of stepping into my mom own. on Christmas. It didn't seem like a big deal to me. Well, you know, yeah. Uh, well, you know, well, you I'm don't Jewish. really celebrate what you're going to say, Pete. You don't really celebrate Christmas, so it makes yeah. sense. I had my dad arrested for eight days over Hanukkah this past year. Well, so. that's wow. The, okay. the cops are that's like, is this an eighth? Is this an eighth crime or just rearresting for the initial crime? Said, it seems to be extended over a whole eight days. It's a miracle, is what I said. To oh my god, uh, <laughs> miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, um, different holiday. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is um, I didn't mind the the acting choice of her being a little bit sort of deadpan about it. That actually made me feel like she is more of a villain. I just wanted one more line or scene where she's like, well, if you're a hero, I guess that makes me your arch enemy. Or do you want your mom to be your arch? It's like something that put us in a place where we can walk away and be like, yes. And that's another reason why I I assumed we were going to get some answers to these questions. 
in a post-credit situation. Yeah. Instead, we get something quite different. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that in a moment oh, as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we talked about Eleanor. We talked about Jack. Why don't we jump over and talk about Yelena and everything going on there? Because for me... <laughs> Oh, you want to talk about Kingpin, Pete? Yes, motherfucker, yes. I feel like that's a big thing. We should save that for the end. You want to get Justin to it now. Justin brought it up already. You want to get to it now. All right, let's talk uh, about Kingpin. We can finally get to see Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin right at the top of the episode, oh, which is great. What Very a way exciting. to start. Like, that guy knows how to make an entrance. Holy shit. Just... Seeing him in the show on camera again, just very, very moving, very powerful. Um, I was, yeah, like the way uh, Pete, just to interrupt, Pete loves uh, the character of the guy who's uh, filled with a bug in Men in Black. So he was very choked up (laughs) and touched seeing him again on screen. That right? right, Sugar water, the sugar (laughs) water guy. Wow, I can't believe that was him, too. Uh, this guy's an unbelievable actor. Versatile. Versatile. Uh, what an understatement. Anyways, um, so it was just, like, so powerful walking, watching him walk into a room. And, like, I was a little disappointed about, like, how, like, I was hoping to be, like, okay, Kingpin's uh, a little involved and then wasn't going to be on screen. I was really surprised how much... He was in it, how much fighting there was. Like, I was surprised that it was, like, him alone versus Kate. I was so nervous about that whole thing. Like, um, and then I'm glad we got, like, the off-screen kind of shot because, like, we need both those characters and other things, and neither one of those characters should go anywhere. So I'm glad we got the classic, like, died-off-panel thing that, you know, means nothing. So Means was, he's dead. No, yeah. no, it means nothing it really happened. I'd be willing to put down um, a solid $1,000 that that will be the opening scene to the um, Echo series. Yeah. Solid $1,000. Wow. Not a, not a, not a soft $1,000. Not a solid. solid. I'll solid. do a gaseous $1,000. That's what I'll <laughs> yeah. put down. So, oh, yeah, I thought it was great. It was great to see him back again. I thought the other thing that was great is – clearly leaning into this being the comic book version of Kingpin was a yes. lot of fun, uh, down to the purple pads, <laughs> down to the well, cane, the super I mean, strength. The, how about the Hawaiian shirt? Yeah, the look. Hawaiian shirt was He's a weird vacation choice. It went Kingpin. from like, yeah. So that was, that was a costume. Uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name. It's Amazing Spider-Man Family Matters or something like that. There was a series. He's wearing that on the cover, and I believe he wears it in the book as well. So it was straight on to that. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you, Alex. Having him be able to take an arrow or two and just be like, "Beh," is yeah. awesome. And the fact yes. that he is a, a fighter, like, agree completely. And just everyone's like, wow, it's so surprising they brought him over from the other series, from the uh, other Marvel Netflix. television universe, um, without bringing a bunch of other characters. He is perfect. He's so menacing, the sort of fake kindness that he he does, adding to the menace. And then to have just a great battle sequence, he's such a like bull of a human fighting. And then he gets hit by a car and just stands up. Yeah. It's just like basically fine. Awesome. Yeah. I loved all of that. I loved seeing him back again. Um, I think... I- Oh, go ahead, Pete. I was a little concerned because, like, I wanted, like, a definite answer that, like, hey, Echo, yeah, 
I had your father killed. You know what I mean? Like, it still was a little like, what happened? You know, because Clint was like, yo, your boss had it killed. So we thought it was maybe the other guy. But did Kingpin tell him to do that? Like, yeah, I was still I mean, a what they, murky on that. What they established was that Kingpin basically ordered the hit. Uh, Kazi was the guy who was the informant and set them up. He went, he avoided that meeting where everybody was killed by Ronan because he knew that Ronan was going to go in and kill everybody. So basically Kingpin set him up to take the fall. Uh, Maya Lopez found out about that. So I think it's confirmed. Kazi set them Justin, up. Justin, was that Kingpin super clear it. to you? I, to me, it wasn't like super clear. It, it wasn't super laid out. I agree. Like we didn't have that moment where Maya was like, you did it. Like it, it, it's yeah. All, like as the other dude is dying or whatever, be like, Kazi. did you? Yeah, Kazi, did you? You know, uh, you know what I mean. That's like a bad time to ask it. Would you have a sword already? You know, through a stomach. Well, yeah. ask him before. I, I, yeah, that's good. Good timing. Um, I, I, I do think that is what what happened, and I think that's what we're going to investigate in a more clear way in the upcoming Echo series. Oh, okay, okay. So it's- potentially. Oh, one thing that I wanted to say that I thought uh, they've been playing really nicely, and this ties into another thing we're probably going to discuss in a little bit. But we've talked a lot about uh, the continuity with previous shows, like specifically in this case, the Marvel Netflix shows and Kingpin showing up. This is. Clearly a different-ish take on Kingpin, but it doesn't contradict what came before. So I think there's an argument. What? I don't think it's different. I think it's exactly the same. Uh, it one hundred percent. I mean, I'll give not. you the Hawaiian shirt, but like, I, Hawaiian shirt, that, white suit, super strength, like everything with the Marvel Netflix shows was trying to ground these things in as close to reality as gritty. possible. So, gritty. and here he rips off a car door and throws Kate around. It's his first move, F.A.O. Schwartz, like she was a literal toy. So this is again, this is the comic. This is the comic book version of Kingpin. That's what they're doing here. But also, it isn't like he's like I've never met Daredevil before. Just so you know, that none of that happened. He doesn't. I don't know exactly what he would do to contradict that stuff. But they're clearly walking a line where they're in classic Marvel Studios fashion, trying to find the best version of this character and bring it to screen, but also not trying very hard not to alienate fans of the Marvel Netflix shows, of Agents of Shield, of these other things, because they know they are they are very devoted to these shows and they don't want to upset them. There is one thing that I think will upset them later on in the episode we can talk about, but we'll get there in a moment. Well, speaking of F.A.O. Schwarz, what's weird is oh. that's not the location of <laughs> no, F.A.O. Schwarz. It moved there. It oh, moved, well, it moved there? Yeah. Let's shout out Pete, a former F.A.O. employee. That's let's right. Let's not but never that, forget. I was the, the old school where it was over at the, you know, the, the park. Other, yeah, by the park and the Apple mm-hmm. Cube. Uh, I didn't Don't know worry, Pete. I got angry that. about that too, and so I quickly searched for it and found out that they now have a location at Rockefeller Center. Oh, okay. So, okay, oh, yeah. they could have done it in the Lego store, also yeah. at Rockefeller Center, yeah. but yeah. or the Not, NBC Experience, or store. the TGI Fridays, right yeah, there. Which a lot I of different. Don't places. recommend that. Definitely gone to the TGI Fridays. Yes. What a landmark. <laughs> 
Uh, but yes, Kingpin was great. Just to wrap this up and talk about that final scene, um, a lot of folks online have pointed this out, but that final scene where Maya shoots Kingpin is pretty much straight up from, from their appearance in Daredevil 18, and it's played the same way. She's pointing the gun at him. He says some stuff about family, and then there's just a panel where it goes like, blam, and there's a red splat. At the end of the issue, it's revealed that she didn't kill Kingpin. She just yeah. blinded Kingpin somehow, I guess, by shooting him just in the eyeballs or whatever. Comic it's very about. hard to aim just for one, uh, an yeah. eye. <laughs> uh, well, you got to split the bullet to get both the eyeballs at the same time. Hawkeye can do it. In any case, I think what they did there is they left it open where if this does – if this is Vincent D'Onofrio being like, nope, I'm good. We went down on a high note with Kingpin. They can do that. If not, more likely they're going to bring him back for the Echo series, at the very least for flashbacks, because he's clearly such a important part of her backstory. So I think we'll see him in one form or another. I hope so, man. It's it's just so great uh, seeing him in that role. Well, particularly, yeah, I don't think they just brought him back for this 1.1 1. 1 episodes of Hawkeye. Well, I mean, the don't other get me thing, wrong, it, like Vin Rangs was great as Kingpin, like very formidable, huge person like that fit it, you know, uh, but uh, D'Onofrio also brings a little something mm-hmm. to it in such a great Thanks way. Thanks for specifying that. We were all getting very angry at you for not mentioning Vin Rames. Dude, I mean, <laughs> he did a great job too, okay? Yeah. Why don't we talk about Elena and everything going on there with Kate? Because like I was saying earlier, this for me was maybe a highlight of the series, the relationship over the course of these past two episodes or so. Um, Just the mac and cheese scene, as we already talked about in the last episode, was so much fun. But everything that happened here with them was so great and so clearly setting up, like we talked about before, this is the new Hawkeye Black Widow of the MCU. I want them to immediately have a movie or a TV show because the two of them together is just magic. Well, given the end of the episode is Clint essentially naming Kate Hawkeye. I think if we do have a Hawkeye season two, it's probably going to be Kate and Yelena, right? I hope so. Wait, wait. I don't know if he's, he didn't retire though. Did you just, he went to a farm where he can run and play and have uh, as much fun as he wants. Uh, (laughs) There is definitely a season two. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, No, but they did change it from they originally said it was a limited series, and then they started selling this episode as the season finale. So that perked up people's ears. And I think what they've said before about all of these things is anything is open, anything is possible. And as typical with Marvel, I'm sure they just have an idea board full of things. And if it makes sense to do a second season of Hawkeye with the overall MCU story they're telling, it's something they could do. Uh, but what did you guys think about Yelena in this episode, and particularly oh. her emotional finish with Clint here? I thought the um, the elevator scene between um, her and Kate, I think, was oh, super fun. So fun. Florence Pugh is just such a great, great actor. Like, the way she's just dead-eyed, like, I'm bored by all of this, like, barely tolerating Kate. I think she likes Kate, yeah. but she's just like... Like, all right, let me get to the real action here. You're uh, you're a minnow, and I'm here hunting fish, big fish. Um, and then we get the the big sequence with Clint. Um, it went on for a long time. I liked where it ended up, but to your point, Alex, the whistle thing, I'm fine with it. Like we, no, it I, gets wasn't, us I in. wasn't upset. I wasn't upset. It was just it felt like. 
watching that entire scene, I was certainly thinking, how are they going to get out of this? What yeah. thing is he going to say or do that is going to turn this around? And the fact that it's a whistle, it's like, okay, I get that was an emotional thing for the Black Widow movie. Yeah, it was. But at the same time, I don't know if you haven't watched the Black Widow movie, if that works. It also feels like a weird thing for him to pull out at that moment. But, but I do there think has it, to be... If yeah, he was ahead. looking through his brain, trying to find the thing mm-hmm. to be like, look, I, he just had to prove to her that he, yeah, like he, he was, was telling the truth. He, yeah. he does yeah. care for her. And he just had to show her that Nat cared for him and the way that he cares for her. And he needed to prove that to Yelena. I, and then he did. So I appreciated all of that. I um, also wanted to hear yeah. him try to tell the truth. I wanted to be like, go ahead. Tell what really happened. No, no, start at the beginning. Go ahead. Like, I oh my God, I'm so glad they did it. If I have to hear about Vormir <laughs> one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Oh, my God. So, so the Red Skull so the was... Red Skull, but it wasn't really the Red Skull, but it kind of was. Uh, yeah, just... normally I'm not a big fan of the there's no time, I'll explain on the way type of storytelling, because it's like, Jesus Christ, just take the extra second and say something. But here I was like, please, please don't. That's not going to um, but yeah, I, I agree with Justin. The the elevator stuff was fun. Also, the way that Elena complimented Kate Bishop's moves was great. Yeah. Um, just the, just to mention before that, the tracking shot fight scene was so much fun. Oh, yeah. Having the guy in the office still working there, surprised yeah. by everything, just great. That was very on comic par with the very comic booky, and very on par with the shot in the car from episode three, I think, where they were spinning around and showing everything. Yeah, I like it. If you're going to have action sequences, show off, brag a little bit, you know, yeah. because the MCU can do that. It was, yeah. yeah, the the fight sequences all around were a ton of fun. And also like the moment where Kate was like, it's supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be scary. Uh, that was a really intense thing when she jumped out the, uh, the window. Uh, I also loved uh, Clint's little moment in the tree with the owl. That was adorable mm-hmm. and a lot of fun. That's a little uh, bit it, of New York lore yeah, that actually yeah. happened, yeah. right? There was mm-hmm. a yeah. that did happen. Was it two years ago? Or it was last year. Was it last was it? year? Last year might have been, but it was a owl from upstate, right? Who traveled? Yeah, because the, tree, the tree, tree comes from upstate. Yeah, mm-hmm. the tree comes from right where I'm from, and um, many years. And oh, Tyler uh, Farms, right? Tyler Farms. Yeah, I, the, I spent all day well concentrating. Farms is concentrating on the trees. Yes, the well. <laughs> Don't tell Pete one thing about your life because it's all he'll ever associate with you. That I had a well when I was growing up. He drank well water, people. That's where the state he was. The tracksuit mafia uh, fight was very fun. I felt oh, like the bro moment where he was like, "Thank you," hysterical. That was to just Kate, the Maroon Five moment. You're saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Super yeah. fun. The all the just all the arrows when when they're in the on the ice rink just we get to see all the trick arrows play out like we did in was that the second episode or third episode like that is so fun we saw the arrow smithing montage where they're putting like the labels on them yeah also super fun you gotta label your arrows otherwise and i think because you don't know you don't I always think know at by least feel. part of that trick arrow montage beyond the fact that they were really giving Kate and Clint their Avengers camera circling the moment going on there. Like that felt like a very specific homage slash thing that they were trying to hit there is I really think they were just trying to say, no, actually this is cool because I've certainly done it. And a lot of other people have done it and said, that's stupid. Why is that guy shooting arrows there? All he's doing is shooting arrows. 
when everybody else is doing this insanely cooler stuff. So to show them having this montage had a greater purpose of making it look as awesome as possible. And they were really successful with it. Well, and let me say also, I think in that scene when Kate tells Clint about how what we saw at the very beginning of the series, her seeing him during the Battle of New York was the best case for Hawkeye being cool. Yeah. That is maybe possible to make. It was very like, touching. She made that it. Whole it was speech. really good. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. And that's what I was saying earlier when I was like, this finale, despite the criticisms I think we're talking about, still paid off all the stuff we've seen before. And even sort of how uh, Hawkeye is a bit of an afterthought in a lot of the larger movies. This still this made him a hero on par and sort of earned his spot in the Avengers, I think, in, in that speech. Also, yeah. like the, it would be great the if they whole, told him that if they're like, hey, hey, Clint, you finally earned your spot in the Avengers. The the Good whole job. thing on the ice with the Elena, like um, I, I thought that was really emotionally well done there with the, you know, the I'm sorry kind of thing. And I. I'm glad that that's kind of where it ended. I was I was really worried that she was just going to murder him and then never find out what happened to her sister. Um, but I, I think that they did it in such a good way of like fighting, 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 and then having some conversation. Um, but man, it was it was really powerful. I also thought it was interesting that all of this was going on while Maya was having her own drama literally happen on the side with Kazi and everything that's going on there. Um, I don't mind it because she's really cool and she's a good character, but it definitely felt like to a point you were making, I think earlier, Justin, it drew a little bit of focus from everything else that was going on in the series to the point where I felt like you're doing a lot of work to set up this Echo spinoff, which I'm excited about because Alakwa Cox is very cool and very good, but I kind of want to recenter a little bit on the Hawkeyes versus taking up this much time with what's going on with her. Uh, No, I I felt like that was needed, like that Mm -hmm. extra time because we... We wanted to know, like, I wanted to know, like, get to the bottom of this. uh... I I just, what I mean by that is, I think it's something that probably happened in the writing process as they realized when they were breaking the story that she was going to be a big part of it. And it feels like they probably in advance gave her a lot more landscape than you might expect. I liked all of it, but it felt like it's the sort of thing where you could have put her in in one episode or two episodes instead of setting up all of these other things and still spin no, off a series. That's a different, Potentially. That's let a me, different, no, 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 let me offer an even further explanation. I think that that the stuff in this episode does, does pay off her storyline, but it was made so separate because I, I bet this could have even been made as part of the production of echo mm. um, or at least leading up to that because her look is different like her hair is totally yeah. different in that scene yeah, yeah, her hair and it, it's fully removed from the action because if it was in the action, it would be too weird to include that in the echo series because I agree with you. It felt a little disjointed because they could have easily for the sake of Hawkeye, the show have had her confrontation with Kingpin happen right in the middle of all the other confrontations with Kingpin that were happening. Like it would have made total sense if she was there, but instead it's a fully removed thing and there's no real interaction with the other characters. 
But again, it's fine. It was good stuff. It was emotional yeah. stuff. I'm excited to see Echo. So all good there. Let's get to the last scene and talk about that a little bit because we get an answer to a big question that's been going through the series. Who owns the Rolex watch? And we find watch. out that it was, in fact, Laura Barton. And not only that, this gets to the second thing that may contradict, uh, contradict previous MCU history. Uh, she gets the watch handed back by Clint and then she turns it over and it has a shield logo and the number 19. So that, without saying it, seems to firmly establish that Laura Barton was Agent 19 of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was the number of Bobby Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird. So seemingly, it sets her as Agent 19 versus Adrian Palicki, who was also Agent 19 over in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think the very easy explanation is... It's a 007 type thing, so they pass it down, and these are two separate characters, and that's fine. But I'm sure there's a lot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans who are a little annoyed or upset uh, because Laura Barton is potentially erasing Bobby Morse. But I don't That care. was a lot of <laughs> hoops to jump through just to be like, hey, here's your retirement watch back. Well, <laughs> true, but I mean, like, it didn't turn her. into anything. I wanted her to button and like talk to Tony or s- something. It was just like, hey, I, I got you out of the grave. <laughs> well, that would have been cool. Yeah, a watch that can talk about. through death. Oh, well, okay. I, I do think because I, to your point, like I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a real, you know, mud in the eye of the Agents of Shield fans out there because it can be something that's passed down. I think the implication is that it's not. I think she is She is and always has been, mm-hmm. um, uh, Bobby. Well, particularly, there's a line that she says back to Clint. I don't remember the exact word, wording, but it, it's something about, essentially, she's like mocking him. Like, she's throwing his words back at him. So I think that was them saying without it, saying that she's Mockingbird. Well, she was like, he was like, yo, keep better track of your stuff. And she goes... Fuck, look who's talking. Your fucking Ronin suit cost this, caused this whole fucking mm-hmm. mass hysteria. And then guy, she followed so up by saying, like a bird. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that got real Laura weird. Wanna, like, Laura want a timepiece? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let me, let me say, though, that as a reveal is strange because it's, it's also a deepening mystery. And mm-hmm. if we're like to your, what you said earlier, if we're retiring Clint here, uh, what, what, why set all this up? What are we doing here? This feels like a whole new series of with uh, Hawkeye and Mockingbird, West Coast Avengers, maybe something that is a new direction. Because otherwise, we, we, we spend a lot of time in this series on this watch mystery and have it be like this coy little look at the end. Feels like a I agree strange. with you, but it could also be, hey, isn't that cool? Laura Barton was an agent of Shield. That's probably yeah. how they met. Figure it out yourself, guys. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, you know it could be that too. Yeah. I don't think Marvel's gotten a lot out of the formula of figure it out yourself. <laughs> Draw Their your whole own thing conclusions. Is keep yeah. following because we've got more crackers at the end of this little trail. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. All right. Before we move on to our vision board, any other moments from the episode that you guys wanted to call out? Anything else that jumped out to you in particular? Did we talk enough about how funny the bros were? I mean. They're pretty funny. Okay. I feel like uh, for the amount of them, they got taken down a little easy, easily. And I kept there worrying. There were a lot of them. There were a ton of them. And I kept getting worried that while they were hanging out on that ice longer, one of them was going to wake up and do something. 
<laughs> yeah. You were worried they were going to become the big bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I well, shouts to the trick arrows we got to see in that melee yeah. battle. Yeah. The frozen arrow, um, the rocket up, the up into air arrow, yeah. and then the uh, the pim arrow on the shrink setting, and then the owl oh, picking up those yeah. dudes. Oh, that fun. was hilarious. <laughs> Very fun. I wanted um, one little more like bro in a high pitched voice. You know what I mean? As bro. Like, no, bro. Help. Help. I'm, an, I'm an owl pellet now. <laughs> uh, we got to talk about the LARPers and the big up they got in this episode. Really entrusting Gross. them, with, <laughs> taking their lives in their hands. Um, when are we going to see the party down for LARPers that this episode surely is setting? That's, I like, if people still did web series, that 100% would be a web 100%. Series. Yeah. I loved how it was like, nobody's listening to us. We got to suit up. And then they suited up and they were kind of just doing the same thing. It was pretty funny. <laughs> I love how they had like very Game of Thronesy armor. <laughs> they really went all in on that. Well, it was um, Kate paid for it, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was fun, and I'm glad that they paid that off. That was very nice. Um, the other thing that we should probably talk about is the mid credits sequence that comes up after a note of Happy Holidays from Marvel Studios. We get to see the full version of Save the City from Rogers the Musical. Pete, how'd you feel about that? I mean, I felt the same way the first time I saw it. Loved it to bits. No. To bits. Pete didn't love it. Um, I... uh... I sort of agree. I was, this is diminishing returns for me. I would have much preferred um, some answers to our out, outstanding questions. I liked it. I thought it was fun because it's a cheesy, very silly Broadway yeah. number. And I liked it divorced of any emotional intent for the first episode, which uh, if you recall, I hate it. Uh, yes. So just getting to see it. As a visual, I thought was fun and enjoyable, and all the performers like uh, belted their hearts out. So that's wonderful. Not- but I do think, to the point that you're making, I enjoyed it partially because I was expecting another more serious yes. scene at the end there. So for that to uh- be the only thing was a little disappointing. Now, Justin, you're a line producer. Was that one guy who was on the edge of his seat? Was he directing it? Was he like <laughs> a uh, somebody Jeez. who reads lines in case people forget? Like, what was that person? That's not what a line producer is. Someone. Oh, sorry. Since it was a musical, there was a point when they were all in front of the stage standing evenly with each other in a line. Does the line producer do that? Yeah. Yep. Make sure. Hey, one step back. That was the conductor, Pete. I can dig that. Is the conductor. Oh, it's the conductor. Okay. And he's in charge of vocal conducting i oh, was man. like bring it up a little bit over here hawkeye or what was i the, assume in charge of the i assume that was mark shaman who wrote the music i'm not 100 oh, okay. sure because i don't know what he looks like and he wasn't credited but that he definitely looked like a non-actor he looked like someone who was just involved because they, they did also i love how need to cut to the conductor was. no one watching that would have been like we got to get a shot of the conductor in here like <laughs> that was definitely uh, some sort of special thing that they were doing now, now, I have another question about that one. Do you think because people responded so well in the advertising, they added that as the post credits later because they had already shot all the footage? Or do you think that was always the plan to have that as the post credits? I think it was the 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 former. I think they added that because it was cool. And they 
I think they didn't realize they were going to use so little maybe when they first shot it in the actual episode, in the first episode. So they were like, let's just include the whole thing. And I get it. Like, I I think it was cool. I was only disappointed when I didn't get the additional scene Mm -hmm. that showed us something and and brought us some real punctuation. I really Uh, expected we were going to get, and this is, mind you, spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. So if you don't want to know, turn away. But I really thought we were going to get a Daredevil something at the end there. I was hoping maybe like Captain America at the end gets up old man. Captain America walks out like shaking his head like this is ridiculous you know <laughs> I mean, just very loudly says no I I don't think I will <laughs> uh, but that uh, song is definitely one of those like ear hole songs where it's gonna be stuck in my head all day ear hole. Ear, ear you know one of those like worm songs that just kind of sticks in yep. your head and won't Got ever get twice. out yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the thing is but you know what I'm Earworm. talking about <laughs> Yeah, you said most of the word twice, but not the whole word but once. That's fucking stuck in my head and it's driving me nuts. Yeah. All right. I thought yes. we were going to get more of a gesture. Just two things. I thought we were going to get more of a gesture to the Echo series mm-hmm. um, here because a more of a it, gesture, more of a like, like hey, if a, you in like post credits scene, or just like it, like out. we were going to see that that uh, Wilson Fisk lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and had some sort of nod to that, like coming soon, basically. Because I didn't think we were going to get a daredevil moment here. Uh, but the one thing I, the other thing I wanted to say, one of my favorite lines from the whole show, maybe uh, I've heard in a long time in any Marvel project, um, when in the middle of the battle, uh, the uh, Hawkeye shoots the arrow and splits it. And Kazi goes, nice shot. And he goes, yeah, yeah no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny. He's Hawkeye. No yeah. shit. <laughs> that was great. All right. Why don't we move that to our vision it. board where we talk about stuff coming in the future. Uh, we've certainly touched on a lot of this so far. But Pete, why don't you go first? What do you want to see coming off of this Hawkeye series? What's the thing you want to see most coming next? Uh, I yeah, I would love to see Yelena and uh, the new Hawkeye uh, because uh, those two are just magic. Um, or if we're just going to get an Echo series, awesome. Uh, just you know, maybe not the first episode. So Justin owes us both a thousand dollars, but maybe like the second hard, episode, hard thousand dollars. Justin, um, my big outstanding things coming out of this are um, who is Kate's dad? Feels like that is something mm. that um, we uh, saw him at the beginning. He worked for the Kingpin, lost a lot of money. He feels like he's potential villain fodder here. Um, played by an actor that uh, Brian Darcy James, right? Played him. Mm-hmm. Like a sort of a bigger, a medium deal actor anyway. Like I thought for sure we were going to get something on who uh, her dad was and could see that being a thing. And then what's the deal with Jack? Like, I think we can see some swordsmen here. What's the next move for swordsmen? Jack Dalton, another great actor playing a cool role. Let's see what happens. Yeah, my big thing, other than what you guys said, is I just want to see Kingpin come back. Like we've talked about, there's a lot of options there for ways of bringing him back, ways of him not being dead because bodies or it didn't happen. And Vincent D'Onofrio is so good as he doubled down on in this episode. It would be a shame not to bring him back for future projects in some form. And folks, that is it. 
for the Hawkeye portion of our podcast. We'll definitely be back with whatever Marvel series is next. We actually don't know on the schedule at this point. Maybe we'll throw a couple of bonus episodes in there, checking back with the previous movies that we've missed or haven't recapped so far in the meantime. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about Hawkeye or other Marvel stuff. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs>